Join spiritual feminist and empowerment coach Joni Advent Maher for Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow. Listen in for intimate conversations about money, transformation, and feminine sovereignty. And now, your host, Joni Advent Maher. Welcome to Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow. I'm your host, Joni Advent Maher, empowered living coach and spiritual feminist. And today I am delighted to have a friend, Lori Raymond, joining us. Oh, I am so excited to be in the flow with you. (laughs) (laughs) Given, Given our story. So yes, thank you, Joni. Thank you. You're welcome. Let me just share with our wonderful listeners a little bit about you. So Lori, I love this. She's a book startup and message mentor and a world traveling word genie, among other (laughs) things. And one of the things that I love and value about Lori is that is that word genie aspect. And I know we actually had been scheduled to do this recording four days ago on Bastille Day. And Lori took the time to look up the word sovereignty uh, before coming on, just to really get a sense of that. And I was so impressed. And I I know I want you to share what you learned and and how that all came together. Well, I thought it was, you know, perfect that we had selected this date of uh, (laughs) July 14th for our podcast uh, interview. And yes, I needed to research the word because I... I was struggling with how to pronounce it, and I thought, you know, how perfect on a day of freedom that the French are celebrating freedom that we're going to be talking about um, sovereigns, of course, you know, they got rid of those guys back back in the day there in France, <laughs> uh, and, um, and this whole principle of sovereignty and how it means to embrace our power and authority. So I thought, you know, didn't know that when we scheduled the date, but it, it just seemed perfect. So, and, and now fast forward, here we are. Yes, here we are on just the right date to come together. Mm. So I love you're also a heart-centered visionary and ideapreneur. Tell, tell me what you mean by ideapreneur. Well, it's a word I coined because what I know about me is that uh, my personality, my travels, my experiences, I am never short for ideas. Mm. And ideas, I believe, come from the sacred divine feminine. They, They get expressed as what I call divine downloads. And we can say call those uh, psychic premonitions, we can call it intuition. So um, I am a person that is always constantly generating ideas for myself. And finally, someone said, Lori, why don't you do this for other people? Mm. And I said, wow, this, this, this sounds good, because this just just this just flows naturally to me. So yeah, so I'm not an entrepreneur. I really am an ideapreneur. There's really not a program or a project or a printed piece or anything that I can't look at through multiple lenses. Mm. 
and offer my ideas, which some of them you might embrace or maybe not. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that you really take just a multi-dimensional approach because I know you're very linked in spiritually. I know that's a big aspect of who you are, and I certainly resonate with you there. But but you're you're also looking at just these other dimensions of um, who we are or who your clients are, who you are, as you're bringing all these ideas together. Well, well, thank you for that. And I am very blessed to have known many queens, many women who expressed their sovereignty and um, shared their gifts, whether it was feng shui, whether it was numerology, whether it was their knowledge of the angel uh, kingdom. And over the decades, I've integrated all of that. And so when I work with my clients, I really am able to see through those lenses. But those lenses, those pairs of glasses, if you would, came from the gifts that other women gave me. Mm. Wow. So you have woven them together together it sounds like in a in a unique form or unique tapestry that you can offer as part of your work yep I'd, I'd like to think so somebody actually said to me Lori one of your gifts gifts is that you're able to synthesize mm. say that five times fast <laughs> <laughs> and uh I was like well say more and they said yeah you know you do have these unique perspectives. And the truth of it is, mm, the word unique, I don't know, I, I'd like to focus on the word uni, meaning one, meaning mm. there really are no new ideas. Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that, how all ideas are floating out there in the universe, in the ethers, and it's really up to us to find the way that we tap into them, pull those ideas down, as I said, divine downloads, and then put them into expression, whether it is um, our message, our books, our blogs, our podcasts, you know, what, whatever it is. But there, there truly are no new ideas. But, and, and it's just up to us to, um, like I said, pull them down, whether it's through your practice of uh, writing or meditation or walking meditation. Maybe it's chanting. Um, and so I think that that would be a message to women who are maybe in touch and want to enhance and increase their sovereignty, uh, or maybe they're just new to the whole idea, Joni. You know, they could be like, what are we talking about with this sovereignty <laughs> stuff? Come on. I mean, that, you know, too, it's too many syllables. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but what, what I'm hearing you say is, that it's critical to have a practice. Mm. I love that word, yeah. And if you had said practice to me a couple decades ago, I would only think in the way of sports practice. <laughs> yes. And um, unfortunately, or fortunately in my family, uh, I have a 85-year-old mother who follows uh, football at rabidly I have a daughter I have yeah I have a daughter who's active in sports and follows baseball and soccer 
and the sports DNA just skipped a generation. I was born without any sports DNA. So when I think practice, I think baseball and football, and I go, oh, hum. But you're, abs you're absolutely right around practice. And so, you know, the question for, for me and for anyone perhaps listening is, you know, what do you have in your spiritual um, toolkit? And each day, what is it that you're going to for sure absolutely take out? You know, we take out our toothbrush every day. We perhaps uh, comb our hair every day. You know, there's some certain practices we have for the outer. Yes. So the question is, is what, what's in your toolkit? What can you add? Maybe you need to delete some things because <laughs> you're not, because you're not using them anymore or they can just stay put. But I should say, and on that day, what what will be your practice? So I have, for about eight, nine years, I have a at least an hour-long practice that I call Divine Dialogue Writing, and it's a combo of prayer, meditation, chanting, and then writing. I like the writing part a lot because I get to drink my coffee during that time, right? <laughs> my, my holy coffee and cream. And uh, that is my sacred appointment, and it is not broken. It is rarely, rarely ever broken. And, uh, and then, then I'm online. Then I'm in the world. And I love that cocoon as I see the sunrise over Tampa Bay and I'm with my books and my journal and my candle and all that ritual good stuff um, that that tells my body it's time for this practice. That's another thing that if you're going to engage in a practice, there, there are clues um, that tell your body it's time for practice. I mean, example, if you're going to go to the gym and work out, you just don't walk in off the street or after grocery shopping. I mean, there's you know, you put your hair up, you put on a bandana, you uh, you put on your gym clothes and, you know, and there's just things that, and then you walk into the gym, there's a smell, uh, <laughs> rats, and all of those things tell your body and then there's music. And so even if you hear that music outside of the gym, you know, your body is going to go, oh, is this, is this exercise time? So if you're going to start a practice, I just encourage you to think of those other sensory things that can support you, mm. that remind you it's time. It's time to write. It's time to pray. Mm. It's time to whatever. I love that. And it's, it's also, it sounds like a piece of it is like the routine and the ritual that, that trains our system, our mind, our body to... Um, to show up <laughs> yeah <laughs> with a certain stimuli yes yeah absolutely well my if I were to describe my spiritual journey I would liken it to a, a plant and my roots are rooted in Catholicism mm -hmm. for which I'm very grateful and I, I don't make the joke anymore that I uh, that I'm a recovering Catholic because the truth of it is I don't want to recover from my Catholicism because it really provided the roots and my dear parents took a family of three kids and made sure we were at Catholic Mass every Sunday for my first 18 years of my life and so I come to ritual 
honestly, if you would, <laughs> and uh, so enjoyed and appreciated the rituals and the grounding that, that that experience gave me. But then from there, my spiritual plant grew into metaphysics and studies of Buddhism and Hinduism and shamanism. So, you know, and there's more, there's more, there, you know, there are more places for that spiritual plant to grow, but it is rooted in the, in the rituals of, of, of Catholicism. Mm. I didn't know that. And I'm, I appreciate you sharing that. My roots are in Catholicism as well. And mm. I didn't know that. Yes. And one of the things I always appreciated, which still touches me to this day is the, the music and the song, mm. uh, the songs and, those can still open a dimension of me um, that's both young and ancient hearing that so mm -hmm. mm, beautiful beautifully said mm. yeah for me it is not the music it's it's the the smells so when mm. I smell which is a part of my practice different um, you know incense and whatever I can just close my eyes and I'm that little eight-year-old you know with her lace uh, mantilla on her head um, with bobby pins of course you had to have bobby <laughs> pins so it wouldn't fall off and um, you know just in that quiet large sanctuary and I can just smell and I I'm transported back to when I was you know eight years old so uh, the smells you know are burning candles and putting out the candle which is you know mm -hmm. also a, which is also a part of my ritual oh I so wanted to be an altar boy I don't know about you but I so <laughs> wanted to be him I think I oh my gosh I wanted to you know and it just it wasn't you know it wasn't the time right it was not right so that that brings us to the to the feminine and the how has that shown up in your your spiritual plant and in your growth and how has she influenced you in your journey the divine feminine hmm well first I so appreciated the questions that you gave me and when I finally focused on them I thought boy this is gonna be a three coffee cup uh, assignment and I said but I'm up to the challenge I'm up to the challenge and and as I reflected on you know what has been my experience of the divine feminine uh, years ago someone again I'm just so blessed that people reflect back to me and gift me but they said well Lori my real name is birth name is Lorraine L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E huh. Lori was gifted to me by my Scottish grandmother who saw me uh, a few days after my birth and I was about six pounds and, and said to my parents oh my gosh you can't name this little wee thing you know, Lorraine is just too big, and we're going to call her Lori. And so that's the nickname. But a friend reflected to me. They said, Lori, your name Lorraine means La Reina, which in Spanish is the queen. Wow. So I was really born with a name that reflects sovereignty. Wow. So, you know, no... No light load to carry. Okay, I can do this. <laughs> but um, in reflecting, I realized that really being a teacher and a student has been a part of that expression. And so 
in elementary school, language arts became that expression of the divine feminine and, you know, being considered the smart girl or one of the smart girls in school. And then also it started to move into organization that I was a patrol leader in a, a Girl <laughs> Scout troop and uh, loved being a part of that. And we had a competition where the patrol that had the most girls in attendance won something. And of course, I think our dues for that troop meeting were like 10 cents at the time, but I was inspired, you know, uh, <laughs> but I would say scouting was that first opportunity where I was with other women to start expressing my power, hmm. eight years old, Wow! you know, and authority uh, to have that kind of independence. But my real grounding came when I attended Judson College. Mm -hmm. It's in Marion, Alabama, deep south, wow. west of Selma, which is west of Montgomery. Uh, a college, and a women's college founded in 1838. Wow, Germany. wow. Now, imagine, this wow. is pre-Civil War, which were, you know, which was 1860. And in 1838, wow. the visionaries thought women deserved the same higher education as men. So I attended that college and graduated, and in that really found my healing from the mean girl experiences I'd had during middle and high school. Mm. Uh, people couldn't believe I was going to a, a, an all women's college. And that story is actually in a book ca uh, called Gratitude and Grace. It became a number one international Amazon bestseller published by Inspired mm. Living Publishing. Mm -hmm. And I have a story in there that chronicles how I came to be at the college and why I chose to stay. So we graduated in 1974. Uh, there were actually 74 of us in my college class. Wow. And I'm delighted to say that I still see those 10 women mm. who I consider my Judson sisters today. Mm. And they just had me back at the college this year for a book signing and to read that story. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So. Wow. Fast forward from 74 to, you know, 2017, wow. that that shared sovereignty mm. doesn't have to be an alone experience. It can be a shared experience. And I really believe that that's what the divine feminine is calling out to each of us and to our communities and the world that we all come together. Yes. For, for, a, for a better and higher purpose. And we can't do it as silos. We can't, we do have to become the tapestry. And in the tapestry, we are stronger. But, uh, you know, I just so cherish the fact that I have that circle. I have many circles of friends, but that's the grounding, I would say, uh, was the launching pad for me to really understand the divine feminine. Yes, and it strikes me that you had grown into womanhood there, that you really had made that coming-of-age shift from being a young, you know, being a girl, being a young woman, to really being a woman, and to do that in community with other women who were stepping into their own 
leadership and power, if you will, um, is a very, it's a very special experience. Well, I, you know, I agree 100%. And I believe, you know, that um, women, co women's colleges are on the decline. Many have, for financial reasons, had to close their doors. But for me, it is so powerful that we always have choices. Mm -hmm. So for the person like me, even though I was absolutely boy crazy in high school and middle school, uh, which is why people really just thought I had gone off the deep end to attend an all women's college, um, that it is about choice. And I just pray that those choices will remain so that people can have those experiences again, if they choose. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would love to hear about your work and the whole, you know, part of what we talk about here is the relationship with money and your spirituality and your idea, being this idea, uh, I would say, just storehouse of ideas that are always coming to you, how your relationship with money and sovereignty, how that has all evolved. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say it is still evolving, and it evolves, boy, every day. But as I as I as I answer, was reflecting and really breathing and meditating and asking, you know, how can I best answer this? What came to me was that money, for me, on one level, is a symbol of abundance, mm. and that it's an energy expression. So having money mm -hmm. allows me to give money. Mm -hmm. And the more money I give, the more money flows to me. Mm -hmm. Now, there have been times in my life where I, well, come on, I'll fess up. I didn't <laughs> have that kind of flow, flow, flow feeling. But if I reflect back, that's the truth that when I, and I'm a, practicing person who ties 10% to to people and to um, things. So I, I, I send checks off to, to different authors that have inspired me, friends who have inspired me, certainly different spiritual organizations. So it is all about that energy flow. And, I, you know, I, and I just love it when there's lots and lots of money in the bank account because Yes, I can spend it, but I, I really do enjoy sharing it in places or if someone asks me to support a cause, I mean, I don't have to think about it. I can just say, yes, mm. I'm going to send PayPal. I want to support you. You asked. I feel if somebody asked me for money, there's a reason, and I have a responsibility to seriously consider it. Wow. And, and nine times out of ten, my answer is yes. Now, again, there have been times in the past when I was constricted and tight, and that comes from fear. Fear tightens and constricts us. And then money's like, gosh, I want to come in, and I'm knocking on your door with an idea, Lori, or a project or an opportunity. But, girlfriend, I just can't even get in the door. you got it closed, <laughs> you know? And so I would say right now, you know, the door is open, and there just really is a lovely flow. Um, the second part of that answer, Joni, is that, Money for me is also a symbolic spiritual currency. Hmm. And Stephen Covey, 
who we know wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I got to hear him speak years ago, and he has a concept. If I had to only remember one thing, it was called the emotional bank account. And the idea behind the emotional bank account was the more deposits that I make into your bank account mm -hmm. with acts of kindness and compassion, the stronger and bigger your account is going to be. But it also means that my bank account is also going to be stronger and bigger. And the neat thing about it is, is as as I make more deposits to your, let's say to you, Joni, mm -hmm. that if for some reason there's a bump, which friendships and relationships are going to have, that means that, you know, a withdrawal came out. I wasn't on time. I for, I forgot your birthday. I maybe said something unkind. That's a withdrawal. Hmm. But the hope is, is that if I am conscious about adding money, which means that spiritual currency of kindness and compassion, our mutual accounts are going to stay in the black and I'm not in the red and we're not going to get notifications that there's not enough funds. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's how I'm looking at money these days. I love that. Well, that is a perspective that we have not heard to date. So I, I really appreciate it, particularly your sharing about the tithing and what that has been like for you and, and, and how good it feels. I, well, I think, it, I think, yes, well, it does. And I actually have a list um, and it, I, I need to get it on an Excel spreadsheet or something, but actually when, when, when I put myself into the framework that I'm going to win the lottery or a certain amount of money, I have a list of where I want to gift it, scholarship programs, this, that, just kind of, and yes, personal places and travels or gifts I want to give. But at the same time, I have a tithing list. So if I make, you know, when I win 55 million, then I've got to tithe, you know, what, 5.5 million. So it's like, wow, and that's a fun list to make. Yeah. Where, where am I going to tithe? 5.5 million to say thank you for my spiritual support and inspiration. Mm. And that's a fun list to make. Yeah, it's a fun list to make. How are you going to spend your 50 million? And I would say to add that other activity of writing a list of where will you tithe? Where will you give back? If you don't like the word tithe, let that let that go. Where will you give back to those people and places and things that have supported you. And that can be a, a lot of fun, Joni, a lot of fun. Yes, I'm, I'm, you're inspiring me. I'm going to give that a try. And I love that it, it really is a chance to revisit also and clarify what you value, like what you, mm. what you appreciate and also what you value. Well, if you go back, oh my gosh, you know, and you think of teachers and you think of a seminar and you think of books Mm -hmm. uh, or you think of a, a kind waiter or, mm -hmm. you know, just a, or a phone call or a person like Joni who's invited me on her podcast. It's like, <laughs> well, you know, get ready. Be surprised. You know, be, be surprised. So, of course, yeah. And that's why I was delighted to have you on the show because you, you carried this 
uh, sensibility and perspective and yeah thank you for that but it's a generosity it's a you know I think your your original name is very true you have that that queen-like generosity uh, which is beautiful I, you know, I appreciate that, and it's like I need to be on podcasts like this where <laughs> where you're seeing it or feeling it and you're reflecting. And I also have to say I've done a fair amount of shadow work, yes. and I've done work with the archetypes through Carolyn Meese mm-hmm. and her archetypes. And so for the queen, you know, there is the flip side of her power and her... Uh, sovereignty and um, and so I'm aware that you know on a on a day when I'm not connected to source and I'm living more in the world than I am living you know through my heart mm. that the flip side and I I can show it and I can be a royal bee <laughs> and a royal bee and uh, in that you know I have you know. Uh, overstep my power or mm-hmm. taken too much control and haven't been as kind or compassionate and again I, I go back to it's around being fear driven that I, I don't think I'm going to get the result or something that I need and so it does mean taking that higher perspective because when you look at a sovereign of a country they are chosen supposedly to rule because they have that higher perspective and in fact they that they have that wisdom of Solomon they have that third eye chakra which we know is between your on your forehead between your two eyes right in the middle that's your your um, third eye chakra and the color for that is what it's a purple indigo yes It's a purple indigo for, and I know some people vary it, but it's a purple indigo. And sovereigns, kings and queens, wore purple. And the reason they could wear that color, it's not necessarily the purple we know. The reason that they wore purple was because indigo came from the plants in the Far East in India. Mm. And only the kings and queens and wealthy royalty, but it was really reserved for the sovereigns, because they could afford the indigo and so their clothing was colored so that's why you see the color purple associated with royalty that they they could they could afford it one and it is the color of the third eye chakra Mm. Mm, mm, mm. very cool so as you're talking about the the shadow work and looking into those aspects um, that we don't want to see or that we, you know, that we kind of put at the back of the closet. It, and that idea of fear, you know, kind of fear versus faith or being cut off versus connection. This idea of sacred feminine flow and, and how you have experienced that in your life. So I'm, I'm wondering from, you know, from that vantage point, how did you open to sacred feminine flow? Where, where in your life have you experienced that? Mm. Well, again, I think it's, it's always an ongoing thing. I think 
this conversation we're having right now is just a beautiful flow and you know a channel and I'm just I'm feeling it like a you know a, like I can just see us being at the beach one day and the the waves are you know coming in and they're going out and they're coming in and they're going out um, but as I reflected on your question about this um, I wrote another story and it was in another best-selling book called midlife uh, transformation redefining life love health and success and I wrote a story in there and it chronicles my journey and my answer to a question from my sister which was what one thing would you regret never having done if you died tomorrow hmm. so here here is a here's one let me tell you my my younger sister is one sovereign queen <laughs> and uh, and my answer to her was not having a daughter mm. now I and so the story chronicles my heart's desire to know the experience of having a mother-daughter relationship. I left the USA, I left everything, and traveled to Honduras where I taught after 20 years back in elementary school. I'd been a corporate trainer, presenter, motivational speaker, had my own business, that whole enchilada. And life changes came about, and I went back to my roots, back to teaching, and my my daughter was in my classroom, and a third grade classroom, which I, I love that age. <laughs> and and uh, fast forward, she was nine, and I was a single woman at forty five, <laughs> and adopted her. Wow. So the divine feminine answered my my most sweetest, deepest yes. longing which was to know not to have a daughter I don't want to own my daughter but to know a mother-daughter relationship so imagine she's nine and I'm 45 and we're living in a third world country and I'm teaching oh my goodness so that for me again I, I put that in 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 the book midlife transformation um, mm was probably one of the most seminal moments and expression of being in the flow with the divine feminine because if you told me when I was a, a teenager or that Girl Scout leader that I was going to be a single mom mm. of an older child and a child of color, you know, I just, it, it just, you know, I, you know, that just, I would have, uh, just it would have been you know oil and oil and water yes. so yeah yeah oh well that really touches my heart because actually I I I didn't have exactly your experience but that that sense of before turning 40 I had that thought of you know what would I regret if I didn't do it and it was becoming a mother and and, and I too um, had have a daughter and birthed a daughter, and um, that relationship is uh, one of the most powerful vehicles for learning and mm. teaching and uh, catalyzing my connection with the feminine. So it just 
it touches my heart that you mm. are sharing that story with us. And, and at the end, well, we can just say now that if women are interested in reading that story, can they go to Amazon and find your work? Absolutely. I do have an author's page and, and all six of my books are there. So they can just, um, I'm not sure how you find it on Amazon, but you go under an author, uh, you know, they, we have authors pages and it'll just be my name, Lori Raymond, L O R E. And then Raymond. So yeah, all both books mentioned and both again were published by inspired living publishing, um, for which I'm forever grateful. Mm. So yeah, for, for that story and, and other, because I share the book with, or the pages or the covers, I share that with, you know, anywhere from 30 to 35 other very inspiring women mm. who really, who really do understand and express their sovereignty. Yes. Yes. So I can't believe it, but we are nearly out of time. So we're, we're coming to the final question, which is in some ways my favorite. Um, so from the wisdom of your years today and where you stand, what would you tell your younger self? Mm. Well, I'd say this to little Lori, to that eight-year-old patrol leader in a Girl Scout <laughs> troop, I'd say this to her, remember that when someone is judging you to remember this, mm. what you think of me is none of my business. Ah. <laughs> what you think of me is none of my business because it would allow for the grace of detachment mm. so that you can stay in your powerful sovereignty and the second piece again i'm a libra i've got it i gotta do two for balance the <laughs> second thing i would say to this little lori would be when the horse is dead get <laughs> off there's no need to ever 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 stay in a place a job or relationship where you are not happy when the horse is dead, get <laughs> off. Amen to that. <laughs> yeah, we can we can ask we can ask everybody to shout wherever they are. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and now we will have a Catholic song. No, no, no. I'm just no. joking. <laughs> Ave Maria. <laughs> okay, no. Um so I do also want to just let people know about this very special possibility that you have coming up that sounds wonderful, that, that you're going to be uh, holding an event soon. So can you tell us about your writer's retreat? I will. And thank you. Thank you. So I'm inviting everyone who's listening to come join me in this beautiful part of West Coast of Florida to my land of St. Petersburg, where I've lived for 34 years. There's quite a renaissance mm. going on with the food scene, our art scene, the Dolly Museum, the Chihuly Museum. Oh, my gosh. And not to mention we're just on Tampa Bay. But it is the St. Pete Writing Retreat. The tagline is Renew Your Body and Creative Soul. It is scheduled for October 29th through November 3rd. So it's a ways away. You can make plans. October, they, can I interrupt? 20, 29th. 
Oh, yes, October 29th through November 3rd. Okay. Through November 3rd. And uh, the website is writers, plural, writersvisionquest.com. I'll say that again, writersvisionquest.com. You can get all the details there. There is some great early bird pricing. There's extra pricing if you bring a girlfriend. There's just because I want whoever is inspired to join us, Joni, to make it possible, mm. other than me just writing a, a blank check, and maybe I'll be doing a scholarship program. We'll have to see. But my commitment is this. This retreat will be the best retreat you have ever attended. Mm. Now, that's my mission, my vision, and everything I'm doing, and it is going to be the best work I've ever presented mm in my 64 years with all this knowledge, it is more than women coming together in their sovereignty. It is more than a writing retreat. Yes, we're gonna do lots of pampering. Yes, we're gonna be on the beach, oh my gosh. But <laughs> in addition, I have extraordinary people coming in who are going to add a, dim a dimension of like learning, hmm. who are teaching optional two hour workshops. And these are from some well-known people on the topic of memoir writing, storytelling, Ooh. and another woman who is gifting us to help us get rid of our blocks with Theta Healing, one of the fastest growing movements in the nation mm. as a healing modality. She's going to do a two-hour intensive workshop uh, around that. So it has a little bit of conference uh, dimension to it. It has community, sacred community. And then, of course, it has the retreat um, experience. And this is all, believe it or not, we will work, but we'll do a whole lot of playing at a historic property here. Mm. So I am I'm just over the moon and mm. I, I just I'm just over, over the moon. So thank you for letting me share that invitation, because for everyone listening, your invitation is waiting. So check on it. See if it <laughs> see if it see if it fits for you. Excellent. It, it sounds fabulous. And yeah, Florida that time of year when it's when it's starting to get cool here up north is it sounds idyllic. So Lori, thank you for being with me today and for sharing your your wisdom and your just your generous spirit. I really appreciate it. Well, back at you. My pleasure, my joy, and to be continued. And thank yes. you for thank you for all that you do to allow these channels and these dialogues, Joni. So thank you. Mm, thank you. I'm I'm taking that in. I'm I'm rubbing it rubbing it into my heart space. Good. Good. Yes. And I want to say thank you to our beloved listener as well for being here with us today. And to remind you, until next time, always trust what your heart knows. Thanks for listening to Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow with Joni Advent Maher. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share our podcast with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. 